Okay. So this week's parsha is Parsha's Lech Lecha. Beautiful parsha where we start getting introduced to the Aviseno Hakadoshim, Avram Avinu. So Avram Avinu at the beginning of the parsha goes down because of a famine to Egypt, to Mitzrayim, and there he gets very wealthy. Avram Avinu was given many, many uh, all types of cattle and abadim and shvachis by Paray, and he comes back a wealthy man. He wasn't wealthy when he went down, but when he came back up, he was very wealthy. And the Pasuk says that on the way back up from Mitzrayim to Eretz Canaan, when he came back home, Vayelech Lemasav, which means that he traveled... He went according to his travels. He journeyed based on his travels. What does that mean? So Rashi, of course, comes to the rescue and he says, When Avram Avinu and Sarah, when they returned from Mitzrayim back to Canaan, Vayelech Lemasav means that whatever stops that Avram and Sarah made on the way down to Mitzrayim, if they stopped at a certain inn in, uh, in a certain city, and then another inn the next stop time they made a stopover, so every one of those same motels or hotels or youth hostels, wherever it was that they stayed, they stayed in the same exact ones when they returned back from back from Mitzrayim. Why is that interesting? Lamedcha Taira Derecheretz, the Taira teaches us Derecheretz. The Taira teaches us how to properly conduct our affairs. A person should not switch from his achsanya. If you have one place that you stay then that's where you should stay every single time. So, for instance, if a person, uh, let's say you go to a city for Shabbos, let's say you go to a Passaic for Shabbos, and you stayed in a certain person's house when you went there last year, and now you're going back to Passaic this year, so then you should stay in that same person's house. Why? Because if you go to a different person's house, it's going to be highly insulting for the first person, what was wrong with my accommodations? I wasn't hospitable enough. What are people going to say about my my Archem? So it's appropriate always to not switch from your achsanya. If you had a, a host, that's where you should stay. Avram Avinu didn't stay in a different hotel when he went back up. If he stayed in a certain hotel on the way down, that's the same hotel that he checked into on the way back up. He didn't want anyone to be offended. He wanted to appreciate the hospitality and the fact that that inn gave him shelter, it gave him food, it gave him a place to sleep, and he wanted to express hakar sataev, and so that's why he made it his business to go back to that same one. He wouldn't dare go and switch on the way back up. Mr. Agav, I wanted to say a chiddush based on this chazal that we learned just now together about Avram Avinu. There's a Gemara in Tainus. The Gemara in Tainus and Davchaf Aleph Amid Aleph brings beautiful stories about Nachemish Gamzu. Nachemish Gamzu was a very big tzaddik. He suffered tremendous yisurim. And he always said, no matter what he went through, anything that he endured, he always said, Gamzu Lataiva. That's why he got his name, Gamzu, Nachamish Gamzu. Whatever he went through, no matter what the tsar, he, uh, he always said, Gamzu Lataiva. He's always happy and he recognized that this is for the good. Nachamish Gamzu, just by the way, had a Talmud who did a very similar thing. His Talmud's name was Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva was a Talmud of Nachemish Gamzu, and Rabbi Akiva also had a very positive, sunny disposition. Everything that happened in his life, he always saw the good in it. He saw the makam of the Churb Mesa Mikdash, and he laughed. And then he saw his Rebbe suffering on his deathbed, and he smiled. He always was able to find the good in everything. 
he would say a little different than his Rebbe. He would say, Kol David Rachmana but that whatever Hashem does is for the best, which seems similar to Gamzu Lataiva, but the Baal Shem Tev says that it's a little different. The Milo of Nachamish Gamzu, when he says Gamzu Lataiva, is much stronger and, and sharper than his Talmud Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva just says, Kol David Rachmana, I have, I have faith that maybe someday it'll turn out for the best. But Nachum Gamzu didn't have to wait. Nachum Gamzu said in real time, Gamzu Lataiva, this too is for the good. He recognized, even when things were very bad, he recognized that they were for the good. So the story is told in, in the Gemara that there was a certain decree that the Gayim had made against the Jews. And the Jews obviously wanted to do anything that they could to be mevatel the decree, to abolish that terrible edict that was issued against them by the, by the government. Mm-hmm. So they said, who should we send to be our emissary to the king, to the Caesar, to, to, in order to undo this terrible gezerah? Let's send Nachamish Gamzu, because he is malumad benisim. We realize that it's going to take a very big miracle in order to get out of this mess that we find ourselves in. So let's send the best miracle worker that we can, Nachamish Gamzu. So he went with a certain Chabura down to the palace, the royal king. And they sent with him a treasure chest to appease the king, and it was full of gold and diamonds and rubies, millions of dollars, a beautiful precious materials inside of this treasure chest. And this was supposed to be a, a, a dire in the melech, it was supposed to be a, a, a gift to appease the king. That night, as they were heading down to, uh, to the capital, so they had to sleep over somewhere, so they went into a certain inn. And this inn was run by two very, very bad guys, two very bad innkeepers. And they see this Jewish rabbi come in and he has this treasure chest and they figured right away there's probably these Jews, they have money, they're probably, you know, millions of dollars. So, and apparently, you know, they had, uh, you know, they checked in this, uh, this safe with, uh, with the innkeepers, they trusted them with it and the innkeepers like sort of picked the lock. They opened up the treasure, they saw sure enough there was millions of dollars in it, so they took a big laundry bag and they put all of that money in the laundry bag and then to fill it up again and to give it the same weight so that the Jews wouldn't be onto them so they put dirt from their backyard of the hotel of the inn into this chest and then they locked it up again and then the next morning they said Have a, you know was your accommodations okay and you know here's the credit card were there any extras you know on your bill no no everything is good and they gave Nachum Gamzu his, uh, his treasure chest and him and his Chabura continued on their way to the king. So the Gemara says that they came to the king and they made this royal presentation and they gave him this treasure chest and he's so happy and they open it up and all of a sudden their faces drop. They see that there is nothing but dirt in, the, in, this, in, this, in this chest. So he got furious, the king. The king said, you Jews, you're trying to get rid of the edict? I'm going to double down on my edict. A chutzpah, you come and you bring me dirt? This is, the Jews are obviously making fun of me. They're trying to make a mockery of me. You send dirt? So Eliyah Navi, as we often find, he disguised himself. Very often we find that Eliyah Navi disguises himself uh, as different people in different key moments in history to make sure that the Jews are safe. That's part of the job of Eliyahu Navi, because Eliyahu Navi was Pinchas, and Pinchas, uh, Eliyahu lives forever. He's somewhere in this dar, but we don't know where, but he visits, you know, the G'dayle Adar, our Zaycha to have what's called Gilu Eliyahu. I was Zaycha, by the way, just to T4 a little. I was Zaycha not to see Eliyahu Navi myself, and if I did, I wouldn't tell you. But um, I was zeicha to uh, to shake the hand of somebody that did see Eliyahu Navi. That's pretty cool. Who who was it? Rav Shimon Schwab. 
Rav Shimon Schwab and his and his brother once went to see the Chavetz Chaim, and and the Chavetz Chaim had a very big waiting room, like in his house, to see him. Uh, he had his, uh, like his a room in the back that he would see people, but waiting for them in the in the waiting room. If you ever been like, let's say, you went to Naria to Rav David Abu Chatzera, so he has his room, and then uh, you know, but there's a big a lot of people waiting, right? You need a lot of pull to get to cut the line and to try to you know not have to wait there for four hours. So that's sort of what it was like for uh, for the Chavetz Chaim. Everyone was sitting there waiting, waiting until it's finally their turn to go in, including Rav Schwab as a bacher, and Rav Schwab saw that there was a, you know, while they were all waiting, there was an old man with a long white beard, and he came into, a, he, he walked into the Chavetz Chaim's house, and he sort of like bypassed the whole line, and he went straight for the door of the Chavetz Chaim, and then a little while later, the Chavetz Chaim like escorts him out, and, and that was it, and then he went back into his room. So Rav Schwab, when he, when it was finally his turn to see the Chavetz Chaim, he asked the Chavetz Chaim, "Who was that Yid with the Hadras Panim? Who was that beautiful Jew that came in? He sort of cut the line, and then he, and then you escorted him out." So the Chavetz Chaim was shocked. He said, "You were able to see him," and he chapped that that was Eliyahu Navi. That Eliyahu Navi came to the Chavetz Chaim to visit. And, uh, you know, and uh, he obviously didn't have to wait online, and, and then the Chavetz Chaim escorted him out. But the Chavetz, it's pretty cool to have eyes that were able to see the Chavetz Chaim. I always tell my kids um, that if your eyes are pure, then on Seder night you'll be able to see, the, see Eliyahu Navi. When we open the door for Shveich HaMoscha, if you don't watch any YouTube and any TV and any movies, then, you, you know, so, you know, so, like, on... You know, on Seder night by Shvei Chamas, they open the door. I say, "New, no, do you see him?" And they sheepishly say, uh, "No." I said, "You see? I told you." So they need therapy, but that's a different story. Um, but so I shook the hand. I, I was I was a little. I had a cashier with Rav Schwab, and so it's a thing. To, I shook the hand of somebody that's Eliyahu Navi. That's not so bad. So if you shake my hand, you'll be able to tell that you shook the hand of somebody that shook the hand of Eliyahu Navi, of somebody that's Eliyahu Navi. So it wouldn't be bad if just if I saw somebody that saw the Chavetz Chaim, that itself would be something. But so Eliyahu Navi always disguises himself uh, to help the Jews. So Eliyahu Navi dressed up at this pivotal, because he was about to kill all Nachamish Gamzu, his whole Chavra, maybe the whole community. So Elion Navi goes, dresses up as an officer of the king, and says, not so fast. Before you kill these Jews, and before you think they're making a mockery of you, maybe there's something to the dirt that they presented you. They're not crazy. They're not going to give you dirt just as a suicide, a kamikaze mission. Like, why would they do that? There's obviously something special about the dirt. And we know, legend has it, that Avram Avinu had a special offer, he had, he had special dirt, that when he was in this week's parasha doing battle against the four kings, the four kings were the most powerful axis in the world. They were very, very strong, powerful. They were taking over the whole world. Avram Avinu single-handedly is able to take down Russia, Japan, Germany, and France, all you know, Biskirachas. How did he do that? So legend has it that he had special dirt, and when the enemy was approaching, he would throw the dirt at the enemy, and the dirt would turn into missiles. The dirt would turn into like spears and, and uh, bullets and, and anything else, and it would destroy the enemy. Right as they were coming, you'd throw it, and boom, like straight out of like science fiction. So... The king said, I hear it. This is what Elionavi told the king. He says, all right, you know, it's a little far-fetched, but let's try it. There was a certain country that this king was never able to defeat, and they always wanted to defeat this country. It was a, their sworn enemy. And they were doing battle, but it was sort of at a stalemate. They were never able to, to take over that enemy. So they experimented. They took this uh, some of this dirt that was in this treasure chest to the 
to the battlefield. They threw the dirt at the enemy, and sure enough, all of a sudden, like there was, it was like hand grenades going off, and, and bullets, and missiles, and, and scuds, and whatever. Everything was like just boom. Everything was like destroyed in the wake just because of a little handful of dirt. And the king was so grateful. They finally took down this, this, this enemy, and he, gave, he, he takes Nachemish Gamzu and his entourage into his royal treasure chest. He keeps all the dirt. Obviously, that's very powerful, very valuable dirt. And, he, uh, and in its stead, he says, fill up your treasure chest with everything, anything that you want. And they put in, you know, Mona Lisa's and, uh, and whatever, whatever was in the treasure chest, they filled it up, diamonds and rubies and gold, and much more than they even came with or that they wanted to come with. And, and that was that. So they continue after this mission is over. And of course, the Xer was abolished. They now go back home. So where do they go? Where do they stay? They stay in that same inn with these two wicked innkeepers. And when they come in, they see that the Jews are, you know, they're giving a royal entourage. They came in Air Force One and they're, uh, you know, a Marine One. It landed right on the front of their, of their inn. And they, uh, you know, they come in with uh, all dressed nicely. And the king, you know, the king's entourage, the secret service was around them. And, and they came with the same treasure chest. But this was much heavier and much more valuable. And they asked Nachem Yishkamsu, what, what would happen? Had, tell me the story. He said, no, the king was very happy with our mission and what we brought him. And he abolished the Xerah. So he said, what happened? They told the whole story. Well, we had this dirt. I don't know why, but some, you know, wink, wink, somebody took the, our, 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 the, you know, the jewels and they replaced it with dirt. Turns out this dirt is from Avram Avinu and, and they use it against their enemy, very valuable dirt, and they filled up the treasure chest with, uh, with this. So these innkeepers said, hey, we're on to something here. So they knocked down their whole inn you know, they, they put a, you know, no vacancy sign on the front and they uh, knocked down the whole hotel and they took the rubble of the hotel and they brought it to the king in like a U-Haul and they said, that dirt that was brought to you from Nachemish Gamzu was from our inn. It's special dirt. We have, our, we have special dirt and, you know, we, we should be rewarded. We should be uh, VIP treatment. So the, the king said, all right, let's experiment. They brought it back to the battlefield, and it was nothing. It was just regular dirt. They were throwing dirt at their enemy. They all got shot. So, um, so the king said, what are you making a fool out of me for? And these two innkeepers, these two bad guys, were killed on the spot, and that's the end of the bedtime story. So... Um, this is the story. So what always bothered me about this story is why in the world would Nachemish Gamzu go back to that same hotel? I mean, these guys, they, they were ruthless. They basically almost had Nachemish Gamzu and the entire entourage and the entire Jewish community, maybe all the Jews in the world, were almost put to death because of these two innkeepers. But yet, he went back to that same hotel afterwards and uh, stayed there overnight and entrusted them again with it. What's Why? But based on this Rashi that we learned together this morning, I think we have the key to unlocking this Gemara. Because what do we learn from Avram Avinu? We learn Darach Eretz. What's the Darach Eretz? A person should not ever um, change, switch his achsanya. Nachemish Gamsun knew this Chazal, just like we know this Chazal. So he said, wait a minute. If the dirt that was attributed to Avram Avinu was what saved us. So then we have to basically follow in the ways of Avram Avinu here on this mission. Obviously, Avram Avinu has a shaykh to this mission because it was none other than his nisim, his, his miraculous dirt that was able to affect us in a positive way. We have to also follow in the ways of Avram Avinu. So I understand that even though it seems ridiculous to stay in that same inn, but that's what Avram Avinu taught us, that you have to stay in the same inn as you came when you went down somewhere. So by doing so, he went back to the same inn. He understood that there was a reason for doing that. And sure enough, it turned out that because he stayed in the same inn, now there is Nakama that was able to be affected against 
these two innkeepers, they lost their inn and then they lost their lives in the schos that Nachem Ishkamzu followed in the ways of Avram Avinu. Now let's go back to our Rashi. What's exactly, what's the big deal here that Avram Avinu stayed in the same inn that he went down to? So, so Rav Pam says a beautiful chap. He says a beautiful vart. Like we said before, when Avram Avinu went down to Mitzrayim, he, was, he wasn't a rich man. He maybe had a little money. Pasuk does say that he had some cattle and stuff, but he wasn't. He was a regular. He was, uh, you know, he was, he was pretty poor. On the way back up, very wealthy. He became like one of the wealthiest men in the world. Millions of dollars he got from Avram, from, from Pare. So says Rav Pam, what type of hotels do you think that he stayed in on the way down? He probably stayed in, if he was lucky, maybe a Motel 6. Or maybe a very, very shvacha hotel, you know, for $50 a night. Now, on the way back up, he didn't have to stay in a Motel 6. He could stay in the, in the Hilton. He could stay in, uh, in the Four Seasons. He could stay in the... In, in, uh, what? The Ritz. The, the Opal? <laughs> he, could stay in, he could stay in a very fancy place. He could stay in a very fancy place. He doesn't have to stay in, uh, in, in, in a, in a Schwacher flea bag motel. He could stay in a, check into a, into a Spitz hotel. I'll tell you a story of a friend of mine. Anyone know what Priceline is? Ever heard of Priceline? When, I was, uh, when, I was, when the internet first started, Priceline was huge. Today, I think it just became a regular travel site. But at the time, the hop of Priceline was that you name your own price. That was always the, the catchphrase. So what does that mean? Like, you could name your own price. Let's say you want to stay in a hotel. Let's say you're going to Manhattan. So I had a friend. I'll just give you an actual description. I had a friend who was a newlywed, and he wanted to take his wife to, uh, to Manhattan for a nice evening. You know, they were going to stay in a, go to a Spitz restaurant and then sleep over in a nice, a very nice hotel. So he goes to Priceline. He said, you don't say what hotel you want to stay in because, you know, they, they just say, do you want to stay in a five-star hotel, four-star hotel, three-star? I want to stay in a five-star hotel. Okay, how much would you be willing to pay? Now, if, if you say a ridiculous price, obviously no one's going to bite. But if you say like a price and they have vacancy that night, if they have room, so why not? It's better to at least get $100 and say, okay, normally it's $2,000 a night, but they'll rather get $100 and get nothing. So he says, I'll pay $100 for a, you know, for a night in a, for a five-star hotel in, in Midtown Manhattan. So a little bit, a, a short while later, the Plaza Hotel, which is like the fanciest hotel in Manhattan, gets back to them. Okay, we accept your offer, and you know, on that that night, you come here is your here is your ticket, and you're you know you show it at the at the front desk, and you come in, and you know, mitzvahem, you'll have a an enjoyable stay. So they were excited. They went to a nice hotel, a nice restaurant, and then afterwards, they went to. A, they, check, they, they came to the receptionist in the Plaza Hotel and they showed that they had a, you know, tonight. So the receptionist, like, you know, starts, uh, you know, turning white. We're sorry. You know, we have no room. We have no room. Like, checking up. He said, come on, you have to have room. I have a reservation. Well, I must have been overbooked. I'm sorry. It's completely full. There's a convention. And, uh, sorry. Oh, are we sorry? Like, what are we going to do tonight? We have to play. We have to stay somewhere. So let me go one minute. Okay, we just made a reservation for you in the New York Hilton, which is also not a shabby hotel. So, so he said, okay, but still, we really want to stay in the Plaza Hotel. They said, fine, we'll give you uh, another night for free in the Plaza Hotel for your efforts. So he got that night for free in the, in the, uh, in the, in the New York Hilton. He got another night for free in the Plaza, but he's Jewish. So he, the next day... He calls Priceline, or he emails him and says, Chutzpah. He says, I used your service, and I was embarrassed. I, got, I went to, to the hotel, and, uh, and they, they, turned the, they turned me down. They said they were overbooked. What's going on? So they gave him back his $100. So that's, that's a perfect happy ending for us. We appreciate that. But that's, that's you know, Spitz Hotels. Is like, it's, it's a hush of a thing to go to a fancy hotel. Avram Avinu didn't have to stay in, those, in the same hotels that he stayed in on the way down. Spazianus, Avram Avinu is now a Gavir. It doesn't pass for him to go, you know, you go to Eretz Yisrael and Sukkot. You have to stay in the, uh, what's the fancy hotel there? 
The Waldorf. You have to stay in the Waldorf. If somebody asks you where you're staying, you're saying, well, I'm staying in uh, Malone, Eretz Yisrael or something. You know, they're going to, what? You're doing what? Uh, that's not, that doesn't, that's not Tsugapas for you. You have to stay in a Schmitz Hotel. Avram Avinu didn't do that. Avram, he could have done They He could have afforded any hotel he wanted. But he said, I want to stay in the same place that I came. I have Akara Satayib to that to that Motel 6, and that's where I'm going. And every stop along the way, he, he made sure to stay in the very same inn, the same hotel, the same, the same hostels. Whatever he did on the way down, he did on the way up. Because you're not supposed to be Mishana from your Makim. That's where you stay, that's where you have to go back. And that's the Chiddush of Ayelach Lamasav. Avraham Avinu was very loyal. He was loyal to the places that he went. He's not budging. That's where I went last time I was here, and that's where I'm going to make sure to be this time. So what do you learn from this? You learn two things. First of all, you learn from Avram Avinu, the Midas Haistapkos. Haistapkos means to be mistapik b'muad, to be happy with what you have. I don't need, I don't need anything. I, don't, I, I, have, I could have all the money in the world, but I'm very happy living very low, very basic. Sometimes you have people that are, you know, they make a few dollars and all of a sudden they're, you know, they're, they're, rent, they're, they're leasing like a, the spitziest car and they're buying things and they're going on fancy vacations. Some people, you know, are billionaires and you wouldn't even know it. Like, you know, I, I know people that are very wealthy. You would, you would mamish not know that there are some of them that they're, some of them, like, you, you would know it. But a lot of them, you wouldn't even know that they're rich. They live very, they, they didn't change their house. They didn't, they didn't knock it down and build a mansion, although they could have afforded to. My wife does have a friend whose father came into a lot of money, and he fixed up the house, but only the inside of the house. Meaning the outside of the house looks the exact same thing. It was like a two-family house, so he still has like two doors in the front of the house, but inside he gutted the whole thing, he made it really nice inside, but he doesn't need people knowing that he, he came into money and that he's very wealthy now, or whatever. That's, that's a tremendous myla to be able to, uh, to, to not need to, to, you know, to express and to show and to, and to boast about what you have. So that's one mile, obviously, we see from over. He was mistopic. I don't need, oh, I need to stay in, the, in a Spitz hotel. I'm very happy. Mistopic and I'm happy to stay in, the, in this hotel, and uh, I don't need to upgrade. But more than that, what you learn is that you have to be loyal. You have to have a certain loyalty to what you're, to, 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 to the brand. You're doing something, you, you enjoyed something, you stayed somewhere, you bought a product, you stay loyal to that thing. You know, I think that it's sort of, uh, there's a Gemara and Brachas that I think ties in very nicely to this. The Gemara and Brachas says on Davava Medbez, If you are Kaveya Makam, we know that. There's something called having a makam kavua. What is, what's the makar of that? This gemara. The gemara says that if you're kaveya makam letfilah, if you set a set place for your tefillah, the God of Avram will be Be'ezra. He'll answer you. And when you die, the gemara says, when such a person that had a makam kavua dies, they'll say about him, I guess in Shamayim, a chasid, a anav, what a chassid, and what an honor, what a pious person, what a, a humble person. He's from the Talmidim of Avram Avinu. Because we see in the, the Gemara speaks about how you know that Avram Avinu is Kaveh Makhmut philosophy. Maybe we'll talk about it next week a little. So, so the Rishayim argue about what this means about Makhm Kavua. What is the definition of Makhm Kavua? So obviously you probably think. Like we all think that makam kavua means that you have a set seat in shul or in yeshiva. You have your seat in yeshiva, and that's it. That's your seat. By the way, that's always. It's not always so good to be so makbid on a makam kavua. I'll tell you a story that I have a, a close friend. He lives in my neighborhood. He's a balchuba, and he uh, he never went to shul really, or very he seldom, if ever, went to shul. But he became. He started getting from her. And he uh, he started getting in not from me. He started you know you know sort of learning a little bit about Yiddishkeit, and he lived in Queens, and there were so many shuls, Baruch Hashem, and Kigarnels. So one Friday night, he decided he wants to go to a shul and daven. He 
keep Shabbos a little bit and just like really try to you know, sort of put your toe into the water and see if it's good, if it feels right. So he went Friday night. I think he, you know, he, he didn't really know any, any halachas about Shabbos. So some, he asked, where is there an Orthodox shul? And he was pointed to a certain Orthodox shul. And he goes into the shul and he just sits down in a random seat and he's waiting, you know, he has a sitter, and he, you know, uh, he was Israeli, so he knew, uh, you know, he, he knew which, which way to hold the sitter, that much he did know, but he didn't really, very, very basic ideas. Anyway, he's sitting there, he's like a little uncomfortable as it is, and he's trying to find davening and prepare for the first experience of Alel Shabbos, and he tells me that somebody came over to him and tapped him on the shoulder. He thought he was going to get a Shalom Aleichem, Baruch Abba, what's your name? So nice to see you. Instead, the guy says, hey, buddy, get out. This is my Makam Kavua. So he says, you know what I did? I closed my sitter, I put it back on the shelf, and I went to the movies. That's what I did that Friday night. And Baruch Hashem, by hook or by crook, he was able to somehow get back into Yiddish guide. And today, you know, he's Shemir Taramitzas, he has a beautiful family, Bechulei. But it was very, it, almost, it hinged on Makam Kavua. So sometimes when you're, you know, you're so zealous to get somebody out of here, you say, this is my Makam Kavua, just be careful. That's not what the Gemara means, that when you die, they're going to say, hey, Anav, hey, Chassid. Or if they say it, it's going to be sarcastic, like, hey, Anav, hey, Chassid. Like, come on, like, this is... You think that's on Nevis? That's that's uh, that's piety. So you don't don't make a molchemis mitzvah over over a makom kavua. But having said that, what's the pshat in a makom kavua? So the big machlekas reshinim actually what a makom kavua means. So the rosh says that you have to have uh, your own seat in shul. That's like what our understanding of makom kavua. Rabbi Yaina says that. Makam Kavua is not in shul. You're not entitled. You don't need a Makam Kavua in a shul or in a base medrash. That's only because in the base medrash, the whole place of Makam Kavua, the whole place of Makam of Tefillah. It means when you're davening at home, like when we were davening B'yechidus during COVID, so instead of one, one davening, you daven in the kitchen, and when then you daven in the living room, you daven in your bedroom, have a set place. Take a shtender and set it up in one place in the house, and every tefillah that you're davening, B'yechidus, you daven in that place. That's what Makam Kavua is. That's how... Rabbi Yaina learns it. The Rambam says that you always have to do it, whether you're in home, whether you're in shul, you always should set aside as achana for tefillah, you should set aside a mankavur. But I love the pshat of the kalboy. Listen to how the kalboy, one of the Rishayim, how he says a makam kavur is. Sheyelech tamir lebeis knesses echad. Veloy sheyelech pam lozeh o pam lozeh. Makam kavur means that you pick a shul or you pick a base medrash, and that's your shul. You don't go shul hopping every single Shabbos. We know people like that. Maybe it's us. Someday, I don't know, am I in the mood to go uh, to the regular 9 o'clock meeting? Nah, it's too long, I'm not in the mood. Today I'll go to this Shabbos, I'll go to Ashkama. Uh, this Shabbos, I'm not in the mood to wake up so early, uh, but I, yet I want a quicker davening, so I'll go to this, uh, this shul that has a lot of uh, you know, great kiddush afterwards and a, a very quick davening. This Shabbos, I'm in the mood to go to a happy shul. I'm going to go shul that they dance and Karlebach and sing and Gishmak and every shul, every Shabbos, I pick and choose the shul. That's not, says the call, by the right thing to do. The right thing to do is you pick a shul and you stay loyal to that shul. You pick a community and you stay loyal to that community. You pick a, a makim and you and that's your makim. And you don't budge. Aye, but there's new shul that just cropped up in the neighborhood and uh, maybe I want to try that, a new rabbi, a new this, a new kiddish, a new that. You know, I wanna I wanna try different that's not the right thing to do. A makim kabua is that you have to choose a shul, whichever one it is, and stay there. This is your shul, this is your makim. Kalakhaveya makam lutfilosif. You choose a shul and your kaveya, this is my makam. I don't care about other shuls. I'm loyal to this shul. I'm not a fair weather friend. I'm not, you know, there are some people like in sports. Sometimes kids do this. You know, they pick a, they pick a team. How do they pick a team? They pick a team for whoever is a winning team. So if, uh, if the Cavs are a winning team, this, uh, so I'm a Cavs fan. You know, all of a sudden you, you see them in a Cavs uh, t-shirt. 
the next year. The Warriors are, are better. Okay, now I'm, all of a sudden you see the guy, he threw out all his Cavs t-shirts, and now the Warriors are, are his team. That's called a fair-weathered friend. You know, if you're, if you're a fan of a team, so stick it out, whether it's good. There are people that are, have been Mets fans for 100 years. They're a Mets fan. I, they never, you know, since the 70s or whatever, I don't think they won a World Series, did they? Okay, good. Baruch Hashem, what? 86, okay. Since 86, but so what? So 86, um, but I'm a Mets fan. But a lot of people are not. I'm a fair-weather friend. I'm loyal to the team. I'm not loyal to a team. I'm, 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 I want to look like a winner, so I'll pick always the team. That's the winner. So if a new shul became popular, a new rabbi became popular, a new this became popular, that's where I am. That's not, that's not good. That's not loyalty. Loyalty is like, this is your shul, this is your rub, this is your paisik, this is where you're... So, so stay with them. Obviously, if, they're, if there's something wrong, if they're davening, they're talking and davening, you want to you wanna go to a shul doesn't have, so that's a good thing. But if it's, let's say, all things being equal, what are you jumping around? That's not the way Avraham Avinu did it. Avraham Avinu was kaveya makmut That's a sign, a mark of anivos and of a chasidus, that, you, that you're loyal to something, that you have act- actually a loyalty to where you are, and you're not always looking to jump, and the grass is always greener. And I think that's exactly, if that's the meat of Avraham Avinu, that exactly streamlines and falls into place perfectly with this Rashi. Avram Avinu was not a fair-weathered friend. It wasn't like, okay, when times are bad, you know, this hotel was nice, but now, I'm not going back to that place. Uh-uh. That, you know, I'm nouveau riche. I got money now, and now I'm going to, you know, upgrade. I'm going to go to a place that's spitzier. No, no, no. Avram Avinu was loyal. He was a loyal customer. You did me good. Last time I was here, you gave me a fair, a fair price and a square meal, and I was comfortable here. And yes, there's better hotels, better service, bigger, better, but I don't care, I'm loyal to you. And Avraham Avinu teaches us loyalty, not just in his hotels that he chose, but in the Makkim Tfilo. You have to be loyal to the place that you are, that you daven. This is your shul, this is your yeshiva, stay loyal to it. I'll tell you a story there was a, once upon a time, there was a chassid. And the chassid was married for many years. He didn't have children. So he went to his Rebbe every year, like by Rosh Hashanah, and he says, please, daven for me that I should have children. We're married already so long, and it's so hard for us. So the Rebbe tried and tried and tried. He, was, he, was, he wasn't able to break through the Shari Shamayim to get, to get the Tfilos answered. So one Rosh Hashanah, the, he went get, again to the Rebbe a few weeks before Rosh Hashanah. Please, Elul, we have to daven. You know, Rosh Hashanah is a time that uh, that that the Akaris are nifkeda. The, the all barren women get answered by the Rebbeinu Shlom if there is zeicha to please daven for me this year. I'm really, really, really desperate. So he says, listen, I can't open up the gates of heaven for you. For some reason, as far as you're concerned, they're locked as far for, for with my abilities. I can't, but. I have a brother who's, a, who's also a Rebbe, and he is, he's, he's Malumid Benisim. He has the ability to do things that I can't do in Shemayim. He says, so what I would suggest is go to him for Rosh Hashanah. I'm, I'm going to write him a letter and say he's going to expect you by him. And you go stay by him Rosh Hashanah. He'll be able to daven for you and your wife. And Amir Hashem, you'll be zeichet to have a child this year. Okay, the Rebbe says to do it, and uh, he says, thank you, I really appreciate it. And Rosh Hashanah comes along, and he comes into the original Rebbe's shtibel. He didn't go to the Rebbe's brother in the end. He stayed in, the, in that shtibel. So the Rebbe was very surprised. Why did you come back? Why did you come back to me? Like I, I told you to go to my brother. Expecting you, he's going to maybe be able to 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 be peisach shar l'dayfkim. Like he, he he says, I know the rabbi told me that, and I was going to do it, and I spoke it over with my wife, and of course I, I really wanted to. The rabbi said that I could have a child by going to the rabbi's brother. Of course, that's what we want. That's what we've been davening for. But then I thought to myself, let's say I do go to your brother. I go to the Rebbe's brother, and Taka within the year, we're Zaycha to finally have a child. After I've been davening in Yerstibel for, for 10, 15 years, and nothing happened, and now I'm going to go to your brother's Shtibel and 
bang, you know, all of a sudden, you know, I'm Zaycha this year to have a child. What are people going to say? What's the optics of that? The optics is that, that my Rebbe is not a, he, he's not a miracle worker. He's not a, he's not a, he can't do Nisim. He can't, he can't perform for his Hasidim. His brother is big, but he's not. He says, I, I can't do that to you. I'd rather not have a child than have people in any way have a bad, have a bad feeling when it comes to the Rebbe. And the Rebbe was so moved by that that he was willing to give up a child just for the Rebbe's covered, and that loyalty that he had to the Rebbe, that the Rebbe davened again, and this year he was answered, and they were able to have a child. That's loyalty. Loyalty means that you're my Rebbe. I'm sticking with you. I'm not a fair weather. I'm not going to dance by this Rebbe and that Rebbe. And I'm, I'm loyal to one Rebbe. I'm loyal to one Rav. I'm loyal to one Paisig. I'm loyal to one Shir. I'm loyal to one Daf. I'm loyal to one... I'm, I'm loyal. I'm a loyal customer. I'm not a guy that's always looking for the bigger, better deal. The BBD. You know, some people, they're always looking for the bigger, better deal. You have this. Okay, my Chavrusa, you're good today. But like, if I should get another Chavrusa, watch out. I'm out of here. Or I'm, you know, this is a, you know, this yeshiva is nice, but if I if I hear about a better yeshiva, oh, I'm out. That's the way a lot of people are. Avram Avinu was not like that. Avram Avinu stuck with things. Avram Avinu was a loyal customer. He was loyal to the place that he davened. He was loyal to the place that he slept. He was loyal to the rabbinic shalom. Avram Avinu was Naman. What does Naman mean? Avram Avinu was a loyal person. He was loyal. He had loyalty. There was a certain trust that Avram Avinu had by people because he was loyal to them. He didn't waver. He didn't go back and forth and, and you know, ups and downs and vicissitudes and highs and lows. He was straight. He was a yasher, as Chazal say about him. He was straight. No shtick. It wasn't, he wasn't always looking to jump. Wasn't making everybody nervous that oh, you know what's going to happen if you get a you get something better, shinier. No, no, no. I'm yours. I'm fine. Don't feel very comfortable. I'm here. I don't have to be convinced to stay. I'm here, and this is where I am. And this is where I want to talk to the guys in yeshiva about something that's very on my mind and on my heart. And, and it's not a, you know, I don't mean to like in any way criticize anyone here. I, I understand all of the, a lot of the realities of life. But one thing that is a pet peeve of mine, and it really bothers me, is that guys in yeshiva, in our yeshiva, on Shabbos, they go and they... Uh, they go to other, other yeshivas for Shabbos. Your, your chevra, you know, from Eretz Yisrael, a lot of them are in X yeshiva, or in Y yeshiva, or in Z yeshiva. So Shabbos, I'm going there. I'm going there. What do you mean you're going there? I understand if you're going home. That's, that you always, you don't need an excuse to go home. Your parents want you home. They haven't seen you the whole week. You want to spend time with them. You have a grandmother home. You want to spend time with her. That's a thousand percent fine, and I respect that fully. Fine. But this is your yeshiva. This is your yeshiva. This is the place that you have to have loyalty towards. I'm not saying that if you have a, a Shabbaton, you know, for your yeshiva in Eretz Yisrael and your Abayim are going to be there, that you can't go. Of course you can go. I'm not even saying that you can't go to your friends on Shabbos. Chas v'shalom. Obviously, if you have... I'm saying as a, as on the whole, I'm not saying specifically that you have to be here every single shop or else. Now obviously that's not I can't say that I wouldn't say that. But I just don't understand I don't understand how you would expect to steig and to and to really get out of your yeshiva, which is this yeshiva, as much as you can, if you're always jumping and you're always moving. That's not how you steig. And it's not nice to yeshiva really. It's not loyal to yeshiva. This is your yeshiva. Get it through your head. This is your yeshiva. If you still think, well, no, no, no. <laughs> My yeshiva is the yeshiva I went to in Eretz Yisrael. Now, I'm, I have to come back to America. 
and I was on it's here. I'm here. I don't really. I really should be in Eretz but I'm not. And here, I, but I. So, but I'm not. I don't. <laughs> this is not really my yeshiva. I, I need it. You know, I need a college degree. And agav urch. If that's your attitude, then find another yeshiva. That's not why we built this yeshiva. I didn't give 20 years of my life to build a gas station that you come to fill up your tank with a college diploma and, and then get out. This is your yeshiva. This is your makam. This is your makam. Kala kaveya makam like Avram If you want the success and the skula of Avram Avinu to be with you in your learning, you have to be kaveya makam. Now, it's important to be kaveya makam without the shmuz because if you want to really steig, if you want to, to gain traction in your learning, you have to be able to stay in one place. If I keep on, you know, if there is no ritzifus, if you're jogging and every, every three steps you stop and you take a break and then you're jogging, and that's not jogging, that's, that's ridiculous. You're not going to get healthier by that, you're not going to, it's not exercise, you're not going to lose weight, it's just, you're just wasting your time. In order to really gain proficiency in learning and in, and in Yediyah Satara, in Hasmada, in, 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 in Kedusha, in Yerushalayim, you have to stay with a program. You have to be as much as you can in Yeshiva. Not just during the week because, you know, it's convenient because you have college and this and we're all in one, we're in one building, so, and the, but on Shabbos I want, I want a book because, you know, I, I don't have to be here anymore. It's not, it's voluntary, of course. And so, I, well, let, let me go to this place, let me go to this place. That, you know, every week is another, you're, you're going on a road show every week. That's not, you're not going to be able to be, to steig that way. It doesn't work. You have to get like a groove. You have to get momentum. You have to, you have to build stamina in your learning. This is your base measure. This is your makam. This is your gemara. This is your shtender. These are your sheer notes. This is, and, and you stay. Uh, you think I steig by running all over the place? If I steigged a little bit in my life, it's because I was in yeshiva, and I was in yeshiva seven days a week for the entirety of this month, except for off Shabbosim. And we were able to learn Friday nights. I always say, a story, the nicest memory that I had. I was once uh, asked by a certain, I think it was Mishpacha magazine, they sent me an email if I could, uh, they're interviewing certain uh, Rabbanim, Mechanchim, whatever, about what the nicest moment of their yeshiva, their, their, the, the memory that is fondest to them in, of their high school yeshiva years. You know, what would that be? If you were telling over to your children, to your grandchildren, the fondest moment, what would that be? There was like a spread, like in one of the Yantav editions. So I didn't have to think. I, I remembered right away what the most precious moment of my yeshiva years was. It was a Friday night. It was a Friday night. I was learning in yeshiva, a very good yeshiva. I don't remember what grade I was in. Let's say I was 11th grade. And we ate the meal in yeshiva after, after Davin, after Kabbalah Shabbos. And then after the beautiful meal was over, we went up to the base Medrash. Not everybody, but a lot of guys went up to the base Medrash, maybe 150 guys. And then if you learned until 10 o'clock, if you were deservant, you got a cholent. You got a little styrofoam bowl of cholent. And then, so a lot of guys waited for that, and that was their, you know, that was their finish line. And then they went to sleep, which is great. It's perfect. But then there were a few of us that wanted to learn more after that. So we learned beyond 10 o'clock. We learned until uh, it was like 12, 1 o'clock at night. And for some reason, the lights in the base matters that Friday night turned off. Somebody forgot to, you know, you know, it was on a Shabbos clock or something, and it shut off for some reason at 1 o'clock in the morning. So we all got, like, you know, upset, like, we're, we're learning, we're in the middle of a sugya, like, what, what do you mean that there's no lights in the base matters? So, and then we noticed that the front light by the Ahmed, where the Chazan Davins, it had, like, a menorah, and the Menorah had like these little flickering bulbs, if you know what I'm talking about. I don't know if they still make them, but that's in the old days that was like a thing. Like they had flickering bulbs. And so there were flickering bulbs, and we all like instinctively, like moths to a, to a, to a, to a flame, like we all like took our Gemaras, and it was like late at night, dark based matters, if you can picture the scene, no lights, just this flickering bulb, like these little yellow flickering bulbs. And we were all like maybe a million of us were standing like this, like holding our gemaras like to the to these little lights, and trying to hop another word of Tysis and another Rashba. And 
that was the most memorable time of my life. That was the most of all my yeshiva experiences. That was it. Like it was such a beautiful experience that you know we were just we just wanted to learn. That's all we wanted to do. Now, you can only do that if you're if you're in a yeshiva. You can't do that if you're running on you know uh, this event and that and that shabbaton and this uh, and this this and that that. Uh, there are exceptions. I know that. I'm not. I don't mean to make you to guilt you into staying. I'm trying to like invite you to stay. I'm trying to you know show you the warmth and the beauty of being in yeshiva on Shabbos because I know that it's it's so underappreciated. How do I know it's underappreciated? Because unless you have a ventriloquist and a hypnotist and a juggler and a and a you know and and ten other exciting events, then nobody's here. I shouldn't say nobody. We have a decent island, but like, where is everybody? How come like you can get a parking spot on the entire 150th Street outside of Yeshiva on, on a lot of Fridays, you know, before Shabbos? It should be packed. It should be bumper to bumper cars and guys in Yeshiva, and, and there should be a ruach of Yeshiva here for crying out loud. Where are you going? Where are you going? If you're going home, fine. If you're going to, you know, uh, an offer, fine. If you're going to, uh, you know, your, your sister had a baby and you're going to Shalom Zachar, fine. I'm not talking about those type of life cycle events. I'm talking about a regular Shabbos, a parashas lachacha, tough shim pebez. Where are you going? Laman Hashem, where are you going? If you're not going home and you're not going to a simcha, where are you going? Now, it's not in my, I'm not asking you to, I don't need you to tell me where you're going. I'm asking, it's, an, it's a rhetorical question. I want you to think about that. When you make your plans for Shabbos, say, I don't want to stay in Yeshiva. You know, I, you know I, I'm here the whole week. I, uh, you know, I, I need a break. I need to see other... No, that's not what Yeshiva is. That's not Avram Avinu. Avram Avinu was loyal to his Yeshiva. You're going to this yeshiva, going to that yeshiva, you want to see how your friends there are doing, and here are doing, and what they're obeying, there are eating, what they're... That's not a yeshiva. You're in this yeshiva. You want to invite them here, and they want to come? Wonderful. But this is your makam kavua. Like the Kalbay says, you don't go, she'elech tamelebez knesses echad, she'elech pam lozel, pam lozel, you're tasting this, you're tasting that, you're trying this, you're trying that. And then I want to dig a little deeper, if I may. Once I'm, once I'm on, this, on this tangent, I, I just want to continue it a little bit. Even if you stay in Yeshiva for Shabbos, which is the right thing to do, in my opinion, you have to come to davening here in Yeshiva on Shabbos. And you should be eating the meals here on Shabbos. And I mean all the meals here on Shabbos. You know, there are other, you know, new minyanim that have... That have popped up in, in, in town. And some of them are, you know, are the hot minyanim, and they're like really happening, and that's where, you know, uh, there's singing, and there's dancing, and there's, and there's uh, you know, a tish afterwards, there's a kiddish, and chillant, and, and 80-year-old schnapps. So, you know, I ask, I, you know, I see him coming, and as I'm going home, you know, for my pseudo, where are you, are you daven there? Where are you daven there? Well, you, you think this is a hotel here? Like you just, you find places to daven? This is your yeshiva. This is your makam kavua. What are you davening there for? If it's so good there, then go learn there also during the week. This, this is your yeshiva. We're not, a, we're not a restaurant here. We're not caterers. We're not giving you meals like that's your suda. When I say stay for Shabbos, I don't mean, I don't mean you know, be, 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 violate the kolbay while you think you're being mekayim the kolbay. Stick to the kolbay. You stay in your yeshiva and guess what? You daven in the yeshiva that you're learning in. And guess what? You're eating the meals in the yeshiva that you're, that you're davening and learning in. Which means that you don't like, it bothers me to no end. You know, I come up for, let's say, Shalashudas tomorrow. So I'm here, right? I come special for Shalashudas. I have a, a drasha to give. I think it's going to be a good drasha. And I see guys, they took their, their, their bilkaloch, their challah rolls. They took their egg salad. And they took their, uh, you know, whatever else, a water bottle. And they're going. You know, they're passing me in the hall. Good shot. What do you mean, good shot? Where are you going? Well, we're going back to the dorm room. The guys, they were making their own challah. What do you mean, making your own challah? What do you think? We're, we're not caterers here. It's mamish gizela. It's mamish gizela. You're going to. If you take 
food on Shabbos back to your rooms and think that it's a big kunz to make a tish in your room, you know, or, or a suda in your room, unless a person is sick and you want, there's, you, you understand that there are exceptions, but on the vast majority of cases, you're just going, you know, to a classroom to chill because you don't want to hear a speech, you don't want to sing mirrors, or you want to, you, you want to bond with your chaver. That's gazela. I'm sorry to say. That's not what you're supposed to be doing. You have to do the right thing at the right time. You have to be loyal to your yeshiva, Aleph. This is your, this, it's like a chiddush, I think, what I'm saying. So let's say it again. This is your yeshiva. This is not your college. This is your yeshiva. And there are many guys in the room that get this, and they're here as much as they can be, and if they're not here, there's a, a really, really good reason that they're not here, and I'm not talking to them, obviously. But I'm talking to the yechidim that might not get that, and they think that there's nothing wrong with it, and there's nothing wrong in a criminal way. You're not getting an Avera by going to another yeshiva for Shabbos, but I'm giving you hashkafas here. I'm trying to give you a mahalach how it's important to stay loyal to things. And if you're loyal to your yeshiva, then when you get married and you move to a community, you'll be loyal to the shul that you're going to be davening in. And you'll be loyal to your rav. And you'll be loyal to, to, to your chevra. And you'll be loyal to your wife. And you'll be loyal to your family. And you'll be loyal to your parents. And you'll be loyal to your, your, the place that you work. It's not one thing. You're being mechunach now for just... Not just for now, but for the rest of your life. Everything that we're speaking about today could have an effect long-term, and it could make you a completely different life. And this is the aside that I wanted to share with you. I, I, it's been on my, on my mind for a long time, maybe decades, and it really, really is something that has to be discussed. Now, whether you listen to me or not, it's up to you. That's your, that's your geshef, that's your business. I'm not, you know, and I'm not saying that, you know, that you're, you're, you know, good, bad. It's just my opinion. If you can agree with me, you can agree with me. If you do agree with me, then I need to ask you another favor. And the other favor is, if you're just staying here alone, it's not going to do it. There's not going to, what I say today is worthless because you're going to get depressed being here alone. Your whole chavra is, is flying the coop and you're here alone on Shabbos, depressing. You're also, I'd also want to go to a different place. So what you have to do is, you have to sort of coalesce a chabura around yourself. We should have like captains. You know, it doesn't like we have RAs that are like in every, every building and they're in charge. We have to have team captains and like, okay, we're on a team. We're staying for Shabbos. We're going to be here for Shabbos. The whole chabura is going to be here for Shabbos. Our whole room, our whole shir, our whole... We're going to be here for Shabbos. Of course we're here for Shabbos. But we're going to be together here for Shabbos. We're going to learn together. We're going to have a chabura here together. We're going to sing zmiras here together. It, we're yeshiva. That's what yeshivas do. That's what yeshivas do. If, let's say, you know, camps. If, let's say, camps would allow guys to go home every Shabbos. Wouldn't it be camp? Camp is that we're here two months together, achtos and color war and Olympics, and we're, we're here, we're together, we're achim, we're together. If every Shabbos there is like, we start and then we start, okay, bye, Shabbos. You know, come back again, Shabbos. And there's no, there's no retzifas, there's no continuity, there's no stamina, you have nothing. It's not a camp. It's not, there's no ruach if it's, if it's, if it's not, if it, if it's broken up and you start and you stop and you start and you stop, there's no steiging, there's no there's no haravanya, there's no amelus, there's no misaira, and there is no there there there's no there's there's nothing. It's not a yeshiva. That's not why we built this yeshiva. This yeshiva was built with the hope and the dream that we'd have a chabura that actually, without dangling fancy shiny you know events. Whatever they are, okay, we're gonna have a, we're gonna have laser tag on Matzai Shabbos. If you stay and you get donuts, you get pizza. What are we? We're three years old. I'm in yeshiva because I'm here to steig. I want to learn. I want to be a Talmud Chacham for crying out loud. How does that happen? It, I can tell you one thing. It doesn't happen by jumping around. It does not happen jumping here, jumping. That's not how you're gonna be a Talmud Chacham. You could have steig the whole week, but if you don't have a Shabbos to rest and to relax and to chazer and to and to just Marinate in the in the kedusha Shabbos in your yeshiva. You're not going to stay. It's just it's just a. I'm not I'm not giving you a clue. I'm just telling you the reality. That's the reality. So if you're serious about making this yeshiva yours, and if you're serious about being a Talmud of Avraham Avinu, hey Chassid, hey Anov, 
if you want to have a makam kavua, a makam kavua means that you are sold, you're loyal, you're a customer, you're, you're buying into it. And if you're into it, that's wonderful. You're going to be the happiest guy in yeshiva. You're going to mamish like the beginning of this man, which is now. You're still in the, you're going to, I had, I had a Talmud once, one's man. He went, it's like, you know, you know, like, um, you ever like try to swim underwater, like from one end of the pool to the other without coming up for air? That's what, that's what this Talmud did. He stayed from Sukkot to Pesach. He never came up from air. I don't think he left the base Medrash Kemat the entire, the entire six-month period or whatever it is. He didn't leave. He, Mamish, he never went home. He never, he never left. He was a, today he's a, he's a phenomenal Talmud Chacham. He's a Mechaber Svarim. He's a, he's a Rosh Chabura in, 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 uh, in an Ira Taira. He's a tremendous, tremendous Lamdan. It didn't happen by accident. It did not happen by accident. It happened because, like we say, we're going to say in a few parishes, Yaakov Vino, Hitman Atme B'Shem Be'ever, Yeshiva Shem Be'ever. What does it mean, Hitman? You know what Hitman means? He, he hit himself in Yeshiva Shem Be'ever 14 years. But the Mesvarim say Hitman is a Lashon of Hatmana. You know, Hatmana on Shabbos is when you immerse yourself. You're like immersed in a heat, in a, in a heat ecosystem. That's what it means to be in yeshiva. You immerse yourself. You, you go into the mikvah and you don't come up for air until you absolutely have to. That's, what, that's how you shtayik. That, I'm sorry, that's just the way it is. I hope, I hope I'm not insulting anybody by saying that, but I'm just trying to say I've been around the block long enough. I've seen guys that shtayik and I've seen guys that have been utter failures and, some, and a lot of guys in the middle. And I could tell you that the guys that succeeded succeeded because they followed this basic understanding. It's not, you don't need a schmooze for this. It's just a basic, innate understanding of, of how you steig. You steig by being in yeshiva. Yeshiva doesn't mean you're matriculated, that you're on my list to, to be checked off for attendance. Yeshiva means that you're here. Roshai Veruba, you're here day and night. I know you can, you can have your mail forwarded to the base manager because that's where you are. That's where you are. That's, that's my makam kavua. I'm in yeshiva. I'm in base medrash. Now, when you go to college, of course, you go to college. When you're eating, you eat it. When you're sleeping, you sleep. But other than that, your, your default place is yeshiva. Not just during the week. This is not a, a four or five day a week yeshiva or a six day a week yeshiva. It's a seven day a week yeshiva. If you want it to be. If you want it to be. And I highly recommend with with all the love in my heart. It's just coming from, it's coming from love. It's not coming from criticism. Chas I don't, I don't look bad on anybody. I really don't. I respect all of you more than you'll ever imagine. But that respect and that love that I have forces me to tell you things that I've seen myself in my own life. And if I'm not telling you, who's going to tell you? Who's going to tell you these things if not me? I'm just trying to lead you down a road that I know will lead to success. The other ways, you could be successful, but it's up in the air. I'm telling you a, 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 a tried and true way of succeeding in Tyra and Yerushalayim and Tefillah, and that is not just attending yeshiva, but being part of the furniture of the yeshiva. This is where I am. Well, I'm thinking of going, you, hey, you want to go with me to, you know, to, to plan out my yeshiva for Shabbos? A lot of guys are going to, no, I don't want to be there. Why would I want to be there? Well, you know, it's Kishmak. No, no, no. This is my yeshiva. This is my yeshiva. This is where I want to be. This is, where I, 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 this is the only place I could be. Why, why would I want to be anywhere else? Vayelach Lamasov. Avraham Avinu visited the same place. He stayed with that, with that inn. He had loyalty, fierce loyalty. Hakaras Hataiv. The understanding that if I don't have to switch, I shouldn't be switching. And this is something that I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you don't have to listen to me. And I, you know, I'm not expecting miracles to happen. But it doesn't have to be a miracle. It, it should be so geschmack. This is not eating your peas and carrots. This is something that if you just change your mindset, you'll love it. I mean, I, I wish, you don't know, I'm jealous of you. I'm so makani you. Because, you know, obviously I love my wife and my family and, you know, I'm, I'm eternally grateful, but... To be a bacher, to be a bacher in yeshiva, do you know what you have? Do you understand what this is, this chus that the Rabbani Shalom gave you, to be a bacher that has this chus to learn the Halo of in yeshiva? You're not married, you don't have any, any oil on you, 
You don't have to pay a mortgage. You don't have to pay uh, shopping. You don't have to credit card bills. You don't have. You could just sit and learn. Do you know how? Do you know how people are mekana? You. It's not normal, but you have to understand what you have. If you don't understand what you have, then you know. Don't wait till you're my age to to look back and regret that you didn't chaper and yeshiva. I'm telling you, it's the it's the beginning of a newsman. You have no excuses. I'm telling you because I love you and because I want you to understand that you have a diamond and not to throw it away. But it has to be done b'chabura. It has to be, you have to have a chavra. And you have to speak it over. Make a, you know, make a chavrusa tomo right now. That parashava left obviously already, you know, the guys that are going away are going away. But what about Vayero? What about Chayesara? Let's, we're here, Vayero, we're here. Chayesara, we're here. And there's going to be an offshot. And you're not going to be here. But then we're going to be back. We're to, do it organically. Do it from a, a grassroots effort. You'll be so happy if you have a Gishmaka Shabbos. You don't have to run anywhere. You don't have to pack, take public transportation and do this and do that. You just stay in Yeshiva. Beautiful Sudas. Beautiful davening. Amazing drushes. Like, what do you want? Listen to what I'm saying. Think about it. Don't like have a visceral reaction. Oh, he doesn't know. He doesn't know how hard it is, and I, I need. A, I need to get away. I, need, I know it all. I've heard it all. I get it. I understand. And if you do it, bracha. But just please reconsider. Think about what I'm saying. Understand where it's coming from, and do it together. Ba'achdus. Make a make a geshmaka matzav in yeshiva, and you will be such a grateful, loyal beneficiary. Of this amazing Mark and Tyra. Okay, amazing. Chavis.